Applied VR, a company focused on managing chronic pain, will be the first digital therapeutic company to receive a unique code for Medicare reimbursement. Starting in April, Medicare will reimburse for its virtual reality headset and accompanying software, which guides patients through pain management exercises. The move opens the door for similar companies to be reimbursed more easily. This is Pulse Check. I'm Katherine Ellen Foley. The U.S. Health Resources and Services Administration said this week that it would rebid its contract to run the nation's system for matching patients with donated organs. The federal government currently contracts with the United Network for Organ Sharing, a nonprofit group that has struggled to efficiently allocate organs to patients in need. About 100,000 Americans are on the national wait list for an organ transplant, and at least 17 people in the U.S. die every day waiting for an organ. A new report from an Austin, Texas-based think tank found that states that allow patients to seek virtual care from out-of-state providers have had few patient complaints, nor have had to take actions against any telehealth providers. This matters because it supports the idea that telehealth, which became more common over the pandemic, isn't sparking patient concerns more than in-person care. HHS Secretary Javier Becerra supports continued cross-state practice and has asked Congress to facilitate it. And on Thursday, Congress teared into TikTok over kids' mental health harms. Ruth Reader is here to explain. Thanks so much for having me. We know that the hearing on Thursday was really focused on national security issues and China, but you were really honing in on the mental health concerns that lawmakers have for kids around TikTok. Can you sort of walk us through that? Yes. So this hearing really actually was pretty split. 50-50 in terms of the focus. One issue, which is, is TikTok sharing data with China? And what does that relationship look like? And how do we get transparency into that relationship? And then on the other side, big data privacy concerns that are sort of more general. And tertiary is this concern around kids' mental health overall. And that was actually, you know, a pretty strong focus. The kids' mental health issue in social media has come up a lot so far this year. We're only in March, and there have been already a few hearings that have looked at this issue. And it's a pretty bipartisan issue. So representatives at this hearing were really asking questions around, what is TikTok doing to ensure that its platform is not addicting kids, protecting kids from harmful content? And generally sort of not targeting advertising to them. And if it is doing those things, what is it going to do about that in the future? Yeah, I mean, as somebody who is has wasted a lot of time on the clock app, I can definitely say that the algorithm has something going for it. But it so is it are were lawmakers really split on whether it's this addictive factor of the algorithm or the the content? It's kind of all of it. So there are a few different things that came up. One is obviously the content. Lawmakers are concerned with the kinds of content that kids are interacting with. One particular item that came up repeatedly were challenges, in particular something known as the blackout challenge, which has gotten a lot of media attention. For anybody who's not familiar, where 
you know, kids sort of, or anyone really, right? Adults too, sort of choke themselves until they pass out. Oh my (laughs) God. The the challenge is to pass out. Um, And in some cases, you know, parents say that this has caused their kids to die. And there have subsequently been lawsuits, you know, accusing TikTok of wrongful death. And that storyline came up a lot. So there's the content issue. But then sort of in addition to that, there's this mental health issue, which is how is the content on these platforms and how and how are these platforms themselves in some ways, how are the algorithms on these platforms impacting youth mental health? And, you know, there's sort of a growing body of evidence that suggests that certain aspects of social media might not be so great for kids, might be causing anxiety and depression. And we are also seeing a rise of anxiety and depression in kids, you know, sort of in tandem with the growth in use of social media. Along those lines, there have also been lawsuits. So, um, you know, earlier this year, I reported on a consolidated lawsuit uh, that brings together, I forget the total tally at this point, but over a 100 lawsuits from around the country that have accused TikTok and other social media companies of having algorithms that serve content to kids in such a way that it can promote eating disorders, that it can promote, you know, suicidal ideation, depression, body dysmorphia. So that also came up in this conversation. Lawmakers really wanted to know, hey, we're seeing this as an issue. Americans see this as an issue. You know, what are you doing to ensure that kids and teens are safe on your platform? In the broader context of this discussion around national security, was the talk more around, like, banning the app or dismantling the app in the U.S.? Or was it really focused on trying to get, you know, app owners to moderate content a little bit more to protect kids from some of this harmful content? Bans have come up, obviously. That's been in the news a lot. Certain states are looking at bills that would ban TikTok and other apps for kids under a certain age, some cases that age is 18. You know, our own Surgeon General has said, you know, he doesn't think that kids under 13 should even be on social media. Um, So there's been a lot of discussion around bans. I would say while, you know, the notion of bans did come up in the conversation, primarily lawmakers were more concerned with what TikTok could possibly do about these problems. I think there was some desire to know if there was another way. Because as you know, Catherine, (laughs) TikTok is very popular. (laughs) People like it, right? Kids like it. CEO Cho Chu said during the conversation that one of the fastest growing demographics is people over 35. So banning these apps, you know, might not be popular. And I think lawmakers are aware of that, right? And it might not even be possible. I mean, one of the other things that came up repeatedly and CEO Chu said, the company has put in place a lot of systems already to try and, you know, mitigate the harms to children. TikTok will let them know, like, oh, you've been on the app for 60 minutes. And there is some level of sort of parental control there. And he talked about other ways that the company has implemented parental controls. But I think that there is, anyway, some acknowledgement that even if you ban it for kids under a certain age, they may still find a way to get there by either lying about their age or whatever. It's hard to ban an app, right? And I think lawmakers know that. 
Got it. And if we're looking at content in general, I mean, TikTok is one of many social media apps out there. So why this focus in particular on TikTok and not like Instagram or Twitter or or Facebook? Well, I guess that's all of meta. But like when those companies have been in the hot seat previously. I think those companies are still in the hot seat. (laughs) And, um, you know, many of the legislative actions that were discussed don't just target TikTok. TikTok has come up in this hearing as part of like a broader concern about TikTok's specific issues with national security. So I think that's sort of why the company was brought in in particular. But you're right. This was a point that the CEO made as well. These issues are not unique to our platform. Meta, Google, you name it you know, lots of companies, Snap, have these same issues. And content moderation, as he said, is a problem for all of them um, and not something that everyone has quite figured out yet. What that may mean, I think, in terms of legislation is that a lot of representatives were pointing to data privacy bills, basically efforts to sort of rein in how much data social media companies can collect Um And therefore, which would then sort of limit their ability to target content and advertising. And that's really at the heart of what the problem is or what the problem that lawmakers think there is, right? The other thing, and this was sort of like brought up more lightly, there were also sort of some specific bills that looked at taming algorithms specifically and algorithm transparency, trying to get companies to sort of be more transparent about what their algorithms do, how they work, what data they're collecting. I think we're likely to see more action on that front. So in the immediate future, am I still going to be able to get my cat content, which feels like a vital part of my day? Uh, Will I still be able, like, what's next for TikTok? You will definitely still be able to get your cat content. I don't know that this hearing is necessarily going to lead to any immediate actions for TikTok. I will say this. The banning of TikTok in particular is a bit more precarious than some of these other platforms. It could happen. It's unclear. The company is going to have to go a really long way to prove that there really isn't any connection to China. There isn't any interference that the country is not influencing the platform or accessing data in untoward ways. So that is an open question, big time. But as for some of these other sort of mental health questions, Representatives were very dissatisfied (laughs) with the answers that they got from the CEO. So I do think there is going to be a push to get some legislation across the finish line that starts protecting at least kids and their data. So that really shouldn't affect your cat videos, to be honest. Thank you so much for explaining that to us, Ruth. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Raghu Manavalan is our editor. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.